This podcast contains graphic and explicit content, as well as all of the spoilers a movie has to offer. Listener discretion is advised. Hi friends, welcome back to So Here's the Problem With That, where we watch every sci-fi movie ever made and tell you what's wrong with their sci and their fi. My name is Emily, and I'm a movie fan. And my name is Neil, and I have a PhD in high-energy experiment. And, Neil. And Emily. We are joined by a very special guest. For the first time! Special guest! Would you like to introduce yourself, special guest? Hi, I'm Chris. And Chris is a loyal fan. I am a loyal fan. I'm the owner of the Lake Elmo podcast fan club for this this podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Owner and operator. So, it's so lovely for you to have us in your beautiful home. Anytime, of course. Grand. Um, so yeah, we are here at Chris's house at kind of at his behest because there's a very special movie <laughs> that Chris wanted to share with Neil and I. <laughs> Chris, would you Whoa. be so kind as to tell the fine folks at home what this movie is and potentially read a synopsis? I don't know if I can describe what this movie is, but I'd be happy to read the synopsis of it. Phenomenal. In the not-so-distant future, with Earth governed by a militaristic United Citizen Federation of multitudes of highly evolved Klandathu arachnids threatening the safety of our solar system, high school athlete Johnny Rico and his three of his hometown friends join up to do their part. And to ensure humankind's future, an all-out invasion has begun. However, in this far-off exoplanet, hostile to life as we know it, Brute force alone and conventional strengths won't cut it. Now the unstoppable bug army is at the gates. Will Rico and his fellow starship troopers end up serving as cannon fodder? I ah, see they did it. They said the thing. They, they, they put the in. title in the synopsis. They, they did the thing, Neil. They did the thing. I'm not impressed. Well, fine. That makes exactly <laughs> one of us. Um, but yeah, so we are going to be watching Starship Troopers today, and I'm super fucking stoked. I have not seen this film since college, question mark? Been a minute. Mm-hmm. And Neil, we mentioned in the minisode, you have not seen this. Correct. I have not seen this, and judging by how excited the both of you are to watch this, I am very excited, but also extremely apprehensive, because usually people don't get excited like this for something that's what I would call good. I think that is very fair. <laughs> I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah. I would not call this a good movie. Oh, no, man. We gotta. We should do a special episode sometime. Maybe another one here. Or we watch something by Neil Breen. Oh, yeah. Do you, yeah, do you, have you seen anything by Neil Breen? I don't recognize the name. Whoo-hee! Some of the you know, worst movies I've ever seen. Have you heard of Uwe Boll? No, I haven't. Oh, well, then that reference means nothing. Do you nope. know what Birdemic is? I'm afraid not. All right, so we We've have We've got lot. some bad movies for you to watch. <laughs> yeah, fair is fair. Yeah, yeah. So Turn I... Turn about is fair play. Can I, can I ask, Chris, why, of all the films in the world, all of all the sci-fi films in the world, why Starship Troopers? And not only because we had already watched Valerian, which was the original one you wanted us to come watch. <laughs> Starship Troopers is an experience that I think everybody should should go through. That's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh. It is. It, it, it's it's an experience. It's a movie. 
Both of those things are true. Is it like a, is it like a, a ratings like straight up and down like that was a movie, or is it like a, like a one point two? Ooh, good God, that was a movie. I can answer this question, and we'll get to it at the end of this. But it depends on who you ask and when. When, when mm. you ask, and this is a bit of a, a spoiler. When the movie originally came out, it was not well received. People did not look at this and say, oh, that is a satire. You are making fun of fascists. They looked at this movie and said, holy shit, they're promoting fascism. And at the time, that was a bad thing. I mean, it still is. Please don't promote fascism. (laughs) Oh, how the times have changed. Oh, how the turntable have turned. I'm not promoting fascism. I'm saying other people are promoting fascism. And they are maybe going to be getting a third indictment, and I'm not upset about it. And also probably raged against this movie when it came out, because it was, how could you possibly promote fascism? Oh, a thousand times, yes. Yeah, and then it turned out that they were like, hey, what if we just made fascism a thing again? What if we just tried fascism just for like a little bit? Just like, just like, give it a shot. Just the tip. <sighs> anyway. Movie <laughs> facts. I'm not taking it back. Not to, Fuck that guy. Not taking it back. This film, Starship Troopers, which, as I mentioned in the minisode, I'm gonna call at least one Super Troopers. Every... The counter is already at one. It is at one. You have fucked up already. But not in this episode. Maybe we start the counter over. No. <laughs> Fine. Fair is fair. Um, Starship Troopers... Oh, have... Wh- Heavy hip. Oh, good. It's not just me that got tongue twied. What? Tongue twied? Tongue twied. <laughs> One more time. Starship Troopers was released November 7th, 1997. It runs two hours and nine minutes, which all we all agree is a fairly solid amount of time. Yeah. It's not three hours and nine minutes, unlike Oppenheimer, which I did see, which is very good. Don't get me wrong. But very long movie. Uh, this is rated R for graphic sci-fi violence and gore, some language and nudity. And when I say graphic... Neil, I'm looking at you specifically. Uh-huh. She graphic. She's 1996 CGI, but she's graphic. Okay. So, good to, good to know that I should prepare myself for lots of, like, cornstarch food coloring gore. Yeah. 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 I think that's fair. I picked out my five favorite taglines, but I want you to know there were 20. There were 20 taglines? On IMDb, which who knows how many... I got upset when there was more than one. Oh, there were so many. One of which was from the director of uh, Total Recall. So I'm like, well, okay. And Robocop. Robocop and Total Recall. And I'm like, that's not a tagline. Once again, that does not count. So I did not put that on here, but I wanted Those everyone to know. reviews. Yes. That's just a fact. You're just saying words. Anyway... In no particular order, since the dawn of his existence, humankind has ruled the earth. But now, the rules are about to change. See how I got this alto working for me? Yeah. No, All right. I don't like it, but it's it's there. It's, that is a tagline. It, it's it, better. It, it's actually a tagline. It's better than this next one. Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, Here we go. no. You can't step on these ones. Get it? Because they're bugs. And they're real big. They're too big to step on, Neil. I, Neil. You know, yes. Neil. Mm-hmm. The bugs are too big. So you can't step on them like you would 
normal bugs. Like a like a reg like a regular. It's bug? too big. You can't step on these ones. Okay. <laughs> it's like this every time, and it makes me so happy. <laughs> um. Oh, here we go. The paratroopers of the future are here. Dot dot dot. And their enemies aren't human. All caps. Okay. It could be worse. Okay. Yeah, could be. Here's a good one. Ooh, I mean, they're all good. That's not true. Here's one that I like. <laughs> when you battle six trillion enemies that will eat you alive, there are only two rules. Dot, dot, dot. All caps. Everyone fights. No one quits. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Everyone fights. No one quits. <laughs> I think is maybe... That's actually a good tagline. If it's it really... was only... Everyone fights, no one quits. Yeah. But there's so many extra words. Yeah. Yep. Too yeah. Many. Conservatively, too many extra words. Uh, and then finally, forget the insecticide, bring on the nukes. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm very excited for this film. Genre tags, action, adventure, sci-fi, and thriller. Thriller <laughs> Oh, I got my step goal dancing to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. Anyway. All right. Oh, so fun fact. You know how I like to find dumb awards that these films are um, nominated for? Yes. I actually do really like the dumb awards, though. They're oh, very fun. Don't you worry. There's dumb ones. But guess what else there is, Neil? Is there a legitimate award? There is an Academy Award nomination. Oh, God. For Best Visual Effects. Hmm. In 1998. Oh. Yeah. I don't think they won. I, I didn't look up what did win, but that happened. This is Academy Award nominated Starship Troopers. I'm going to go find out. <laughs> what possibly won? Who, who won? And I <laughs> hope to God it was not this movie. Oh, my God. Please inform me of all of the... Of all the other dumb ones? Of all the other really dumb ones. Well, there's the MTV Movie and TV Awards Best Action Sequence for the Bugs Attack in the Fortress. There was the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. This got across the fucking board. Best Sci-Fi Film. Best Director. Best Writer. Best Costumes. Best Special Effects. Like, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films fucking loved this movie. What else? Oh, do you guys remember a small startup back in the 90s called Blockbuster? Oh, I do, yes. I still have a card. You still? How? It's in the box of all the other cards of things that no longer exist, but we still have a card. Yeah. How I want to see this box <laughs> so badly. Uh, but yes, Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. Didn't know that was a thing. Mm. Sure the fuck is, though. Uh, favorite male newcomer, Casper Van Dien. And favorite female newcomer for Denise Richards. Though that was, that's a thing. Actually, this did, I think it won. It was definitely nominated for a Hugo Award, which is, excuse me, as we've discussed before, like a super big sci-fi uh, award giver. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Uh, but Best Dramatic Presentation. This was nominated for a Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. What which was is, the competition would be my question. I didn't look that up. I don't I don't go that deep. I'm so sorry. I told you I've got nine pages of notes. This this was twenty minutes of research. Taps. Absolute taps. Um and finally my absolute favorite is the stinkers. Not to be confused with the Razzies, which came out three years later, or like was established three years later. The stinkers 
voted this the worst picture of 1997. Which Understandable. I fucking yeah. love. What was, what was the, the thing that I was looking up? You, which award was it? It was the Best Visual Effects. Best Academy Award. Visual Awards. Effects. Yes. All in right. 1998. Yes. For the 97 calendar year. Best Visual Effects. Take a guess. 1998? Oh my god. Um, I will tell you... No, I want you to guess, and then I'll tell you the three movies that actually got uh, nominated. nominated. Okay, so it's after Independence Day, because that was 96, I'm pretty sure. Otherwise, I would have said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else came out in 1998? Um, ooh! Oh no, it's before it's Titanic. What came, I was just going to say, is it Titanic? Is it Titanic? It is Titanic. Oh, wow. shit! That movie's a lot older than you I think I thought it that was 99, yeah. wow. Uh, no, it, it must have come out... 97 or early 98 yeah because it was it's nominated for the 70th academy awards and won the other one that was nominated was the lost world jurassic park solid film and starship Troopers. those are the only three those are the only three this is sort of like an episode of which which of these three don't belong yeah yeah yeah, yeah. one of these things is not like (laughs) the the other other. yep Um, phenomenal. So here are, we are at one of my new favorite fucking things that we do. It's the parent's guide, everybody. Oh, the parent's guide? <laughs> yep. Sometimes. Sometimes it's they're good. fun. Sometimes it's bad. And I think it's going to be bad for this one. So I tried to keep it to the most, like, actual guideline ones. I, I tossed in a few that were just, like, people being people. Spicy. Spicy. But I try to keep it to, like, things that would actually help. Because it, when we watched Cowboy Bebop, the parents' guide actually did help. It gave yeah, me a heads yeah, yeah. up on that apartment scene that I was unprepared for. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to treat this as a real thing, but there are a couple really funny ones. So, sex and nudity, moderate. Moderate sex and nudity. That was my face that I made, Chris. The, I don't know that I would call it moderate, but we'll, okay. We'll see what they had to say. So it says here that men and women are gathered in a co-ed shower room. Great. Yep. All right. Uh, a man and a woman slide down their pants to moon someone. This is meant to be funny. That is a verbatim quote. I want you to know. This okay. is meant to be funny. I guess intent is sort of important. Oh, maybe, Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like a good mooning? Other than all the people whose consent was not asked for the mooning. Yeah, also yeah. literally everyone Everybody who's ever else. been mooned because... Also, asses, they don't look good when they're bent over. I'm just going to put that out there. They yeah, look a lot really. better if you're standing upright. You get the bubble butt. Yeah, mm. sure. That's my favorite kind of ass. Sure. But what, what do I know? Um, and finally, uh, a man and a woman... Okay, this is a long one, so stick with me. A man and a woman go into a tent and start making out. The woman undoes the man's shirt, and he takes it off. Then she undoes her shirt. Then she takes off her shirt, and we see her bare breasts. They continue to make out. Her breasts are only visible for a couple of seconds during this scene. So now we know. Okay. There's making out, and there's titties. Making out on the titties? They didn't say so. So I'm assuming it didn't happen. Yeah. Female pleasure is overlooked once again. Violence and gore! Severe! (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of violence going on in this movie, you guys. <laughs> okay, I'm glad to know. I'm glad to know that severe is one of the ranks, and I, I don't know how it could possibly happen, but I would love to find a sci-fi movie with a nudity ranking of severe. I'm 
yes. so curious. Folks at home, if you can find that for us, please send me a message because I will read that entire fucking parents guide. <laughs> um, but the violence and gore for this film, it says that the violence in this movie is extreme, gruesome. I'm going to read this in the Minnesota accent. The violence in this movie is extreme, gruesome, and is portrayed in a sadistic manner. The movie has an R rating, but it warrants an X rating for violence. So, heads up. It doesn't. Who knows? I don't remember. It's been too long. I love um, how there's such a, a focus on, like, the sex and nudity is, like... Very detailed? Yeah. It's dramatic and this can't happen, but who cares how violent it is? Yeah. That I mean, double standard has always sort of bugged me. It's, it's such a real fucking thing in America specifically. Yep. That there is a... I watched a documentary called um, This Film Not Yet Rated, which I highly recommend. All about the rating system. And you can have any amount of violence, and it's probably going to be an R. But there is a thrust count. If you have a sex scene, you cannot go over whatever the fuck X number of thrusts or becomes an X-rated film. It's like, how about go fuck yourself? Literally. Make love, not more. But um, So violence score, last one. Uh, this one's a little more detailed. So it says... Many human beings are impaled by bugs. Some humans are beheaded by flying bugs with claws, and some are sucked into the ground by burrowing bugs. A man is shown with bloody stumps after being sucked into the ground. So just, I, I wanted to give a little more uh, of what to expect. Like, yes, it is violent. And then here's kind of what's gonna happen. Profanity is mild. Oh my God, you guys, I hope you are fucking ready. There are four bullet points, so stick with me through this. There are okay. three uses of goddamn. There is one use of fuck, hell, sucker, and maggot. Why was that? <laughs> why is why maggot? Why is why is sucker and maggot? Did, Should I have done the Minnesota accent for this? No, 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 no. But <laughs> <laughs> let's not get crazy. Let's, let's not go overboard here. <laughs> uh, there are two uses of shit and ass. And one is paired with, quote, whole. So, there's that. Oh. And then there are some religious exclamations. So, mild profanity. I remember there being a lot more profanity, but mm -hmm. maybe I'm just filling this in. Chris, did I even ask, when's the last time you watched this film? Seeing the whole thing? Oh, it's been years. Yeah. Like, catching it on, like, whatever broadcast channel or whatever. Yeah, because it's always on It's TV. always on something. Yeah. Highly also, censored, but. for the, yes, speaking of highly censored, I did look up for the record what constitutes an X rating. Ooh. And it turns out that it's just the MPAA sits down, watches the film, and then kind of collectively decides, is this like an R rating or an X rating. The Wikipedia article didn't have the exact criteria by which they determined this. Because I'm sure it's very fluid. However, throughout the, like, late 90s, uh, throughout the late 1900s, like, 1970 to about roughly 2000, it sounds like X rating was actually used as a threat mm. to filmmakers in order to get them to conform more to what 
the MPAA thought was acceptable for the average adult viewer. And the MPAA is a group of, like, 30-ish people. Okay. That's fascinating. RoboCop had to be re-edited 11 times in order to finally maintain an R rating. Oh my god. So that it was not so gruesomely violent that it didn't get an X rating, I guess. Yeah. Also directed by Paul Verhoeven. Good to know. Now, the, the MPAA is... Bunch of stuffy old bastards, in my opinion. Bunch of stuffy old bastards that lock themselves away from the common man and then force people. It's a it's a vocal minority with a lot of power. Hmm. A lot of power. A lot of power. And these vocal minority, totally fine with, I will say conservatively, as someone who loves super violent movies, too much violence. Too much violence. Yeah. We'll Some of what got just called R, I guess, in in the 80s and 90s, probably should not have should been. Should not have been. Yeah. No, there's... It's a whole fucking thing. Um, okay, so we were almost done with the parents' guide. So, alcohol, drugs, and smoking, it's mild. Everyone's fine. There is one scene on the bug planet. People have a party and drink beer. So that happens. Lame. And, and then, frightening and intense scenes is severe. Strong sequences of gory sci-fi horror throughout. A variety of enormous insectoid alien monsters kill human soldiers in various graphic ways. Full, gory, detailed, and vicious depictions of gruesome slash brutal violence. Parentheses, including gun violence. So, heads up now. Well, it's not like everyone's desensitized to that. No. 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 Would you guys like to know other movies similar to this one? Because they're actually pretty good. <laughs> Always. 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 And I found, I figured out how to add a poll to the Spotify file. So I'm going to add this poll to Spotify, not to Twitter. Because fuck Twitter. Or whatever right. they're calling it now. Yeah, I was wondering how long Twitter was going to last for you. <laughs> I mean, how much is any social media going to ask That's for true. When's the last time either of us updated anything? Uh, I mean, pretty much never. Yep. So... Spotify, I guess, is sort of a form yeah. of social media. It's also our hosting platform, so. Yeah, right, well. We'll see. If anyone actually votes, I'll let you know. Hannah, I see you. You better fucking vote. Is that who that is? Anymore? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly who that is. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so more like this. Total Recall, 1990. Fucking classic. I say as someone who's never seen it, but it's on our list. So we'll see it at some point. I'm almost positive it's on our list. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Um, so, uh, real quick about Total Recall. When a man goes in to have virtual vacation memories of the planet Mars implanted in his mind, an unexpected and harrowing series of events forces him to go to the planet for real, dot, 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 or is he? Eh? Eh? All right. And All this right. is the original 1990 Paul Verhoeven and, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger yeah. not the remake with Colin Farrell and Jessica Biel, even though I heard it was fine. But that's fine. Number two, RoboCop, 1987. In a dystopic and crime-ridden Detroit, a terminally wounded cop returns to the force as a powerful cyborg haunted by submerged memories. Nice. Sick solo, bro. Thank you. That was a guitar solo for anyone who can't see me. <laughs> Number three, The Fifth Element. Came out in oh. 
1997. Interesting. Episodes 8 and 9 of So Here's the Problem with That. In the colorful future, Cab Driver unwittingly becomes a central figure in the search for a legendary cosmic weapon to keep evil and Mr. Zorg at bay. That's... That movie was not what I would characterize as, like, excessively graphically violent. I would agree no. with that. No. I don't really see the tie-in between Fifth Element and this. I think it's it's the time frame. It's colorful. Yeah. It's sci-fi. It's got action. But I would not call that movie a violent movie. It has a really... It's a little bit of a satire. It ha- no? Earnest? I mean, kind of. It's pretty earnest, though. Their whole premise was like, hey, love is the answer. That's true. That's true. Yeah, eh, I think it's probably just timeline. The fifth element is fucking. <laughs> sure the fuck is. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Um, final one, Demolition Man, which I just watched for the first time. You guys, this film is fucking wild. If it had anything to do with space, Neil, we it'd be on it? the fucking list. Does it have anything to do with explosives? Oh, yeah. I mean, the argument could be made. The argument could be made. It does have t- uh, cryogenic sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. That could be fun. We could touch on that briefly. Let's tentatively add it to the list. Adding it to the All right. It is, it is on the uh, the Lake Elmo to watch list. Yay! Um, you, I think you're actually going to enjoy it. It's, it's not good. I should... Put that out right now. I yeah, don't I mean, think it's good. Yeah, you, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. It is Wesley Snipes living his fucking best life. Mm-hmm. Living yeah. his... He's the best actor in this film. It was also... this. The cast is... We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into it. But Wesley Snipes is my everything. That's all I have to say about that. All right. That and... It's been 30 years since the time Sylvester Stallone... Went to sleep and woke up. 30 years. That's it. That will make a lot more sense when you watch this film. It's only it's only been 30 years. We'll get to it. We will have Taco Bell. Oh my god! I yes. A reference you'll get when we watch it. Okay. Yeah. I love Taco Bell, so... Um, briefly, about Demolition Man 1993, a police officer is brought out of suspended animation in prison to pursue an old ultraviolet nemesis who is loose in a non-violent future society. Okay. Wesley Snipes is the ultraviolent. Yeah. And the police officer, Sylvester Stallone. That sounds right. Uh, so I love that movie. So yeah, I'm going to put that on Spotify. I don't know what the winner gets because we just added Demolition Man to the list, but maybe they go next. In the, I don't fucking know. We'll figure it out. Just pick your favorite. So... The people that had to do this film, not had to, chose to do this film. Mm, the people that were paid to do this film. Also that. Uh, Paul Verhoeven, who is still one of the more celebrated directors um, of his age. I don't believe he is dead yet. He was born in Amsterdam, which I did not know. So his uh, ex- his um, filmography includes so many uh, international films that he's won phenomenal acclaim for. So I did not know that. I had so much fun looking through his movies. Mm. He's known for Robocop 1987, as I mentioned. Black Book in 2006, which is a uh, German film that he did. Elle in 2016, that is a French film that he did. And dude, Elle and Black Book are two of his most highly rated and, and chosen for every fucking 
um, festival that there is. Like, everyone universally loves these two films, and not in the ironic way that I think most of his films are regarded. Hmm. Um, and then Hollow Man in 2000. Maybe you can go on the list, maybe not. But that is a fucking delight that I also watched in college, and that is a, an Invisible Man story starring Kevin Bacon and Kevin Bacon's penis. Nice. So, that could be fun. Um, his other films that I recognized and wanted to write down. Flesh and Blood, that I didn't actually recognize that, but that was his first film. That was 1985. His first American film. He made uh, a lot of TV and um, films outside of the United States. Total Recall in 1990. Basic Instinct. Starring. Anyone? No? Michael Douglas? Sharon Stone? The Crossing the Legs? Have you ever heard of that? Look it up. You I mean, see it- Sharon Stone's vagina. It's a power play, and she's a fucking boss. She's also a murderer, but that's neither here nor there. Like, in real life? Spoiler alert. No, spoiler alert for a fucking 30-year-old movie. (laughs) Um, No, in the film. I don't think Sharon Stone has killed anyone in real life, but you know what? You know. I believe it. If it came to light that it had happened, it wouldn't shock me. Um, But yeah, Basic Instinct is another... uh, I'm going to say classic. I will also say, Paul Verhoeven has not done as many films as I expected i expected like like i guess i should say um, american films or films that were released in the united states he only had what maybe 10 ish hmm. films on his list and i was very surprised one of which being showgirls in 1995 a film which almost destroyed his career that was not reviewed well and it is not a good film but my god is that fun it's also not very fun but it's yeah. it's its own brand of special. I don't know. I, it's a good midnight midnight showing film. It's such Show a Minnesotan way of saying it. It's special. It's so special. Oh, it's different. <laughs> oh, isn't that interesting? Oh, gosh. Um, Starship Troopers, like I mentioned, came out in 1997, and then Hollow Man was his, um, outside of L, his most recent, like, American hit in the year 2000, but he's done a bunch of stuff. Upcoming, he has a film called Young Sinner, which is about a young staffer in Washington, D.C., working for a powerful senator who is drawn into a web of international intrigue and danger. And the reason I called that out is because he is reuniting with his uh, fellow writer from, uh, not Total Recall, maybe from Total Recall, but uh, for Starship Troopers, Edward Neumeyer? I'm going to say Neumeyer. That's who I'm going with. Um, He has been, I I found a couple phenomenal awards. So uh, the BAFTA is the... UK version of the Oscars. It is that caliber of um, award. And he won Best Film Not in the English Language in 2018 for L, like I said, that was French, and then Black Book in 2007, like I said, that's Dutch, or it's not German, it was Dutch, I apologize um, to all of our listeners in the Netherlands. But those two films, people fucking loved them. He was also selected for the Palme d'Or, which is Best in Show at the Cannes Film Festival. Benedetta in 2021. Have never heard of it. Didn't look into it, but that existed. Um, L and then Basic Instinct in 1992 was uh, Palm Door, which I didn't know, but that's kind of great. I don't know. I fucking love that. And he was direct. He was nominated for Razzie for oh and and won. He was nominated and won for Razzie for worst director for Showgirls. So well earned. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
Um, this film was written by Edward Neumeyer, uh, who is known for Robocop in 1987, Robocop 2 in 1990, Starship Troopers in 1997, and Robocop 2014. Is Sensing that, a theme. I think, oh, oh, just you fucking wait. <laughs> you give me three sentences and I'll give you all the Robocop. Now, is you might know the answer to this. Robocop 2014. Is that the one with Carl Urban? No, that's Judge Dredd. Fuck, yeah, who was yeah. in... Cop. I don't know. I'll have to look that up later. But I heard it was fine. I don't remember anything special. I didn't see the need for it to be remade. I mean, that's most of the remakes we're getting right now. Yeah. So, um, other films that I recognized. He directed Starship Troopers 3, colon, Marauder, in 2008. Sure didn't know, but we'll get to it, that there are four sequels and a, a, a series. I'm going to say hard quote series for Starship Troopers. Um, RoboCop was his first film that he had a writing credit for, then was Starship Troopers, then was Starship Troopers 2, Hero of the Federation in 2004, then was Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchid in 2004. I don't remember what film or who it was, but I know I have written that film down for someone in one of the movies that we have reviewed. I don't know who, I don't know where, but I know I've written The Hunt for the Blood Orchid before. It's not something you forget. Um, he also wrote Starship Troopers, colon, Traitor of Mars in 2017. And I, I, I'm saying he wrote, he was credited with uh, Mortal Kombat 11 because motherfucking Robocop was in Mortal Kombat 11. Didn't know that. Love to see it. What an odd tie-in. Right? Upcoming Young Sinner, like I mentioned before, he's writing uh, with Paul Verhoeven. And then Robocop Returns is coming up. So, one more time with feeling. And then Robert A. Heinlein? Heinlein? Heinlein. Heinlein, uh, who was alive and active. In, he was born in 1907, died in 1988. So, not quite in time to see this film. He's no probably for... okay. Yeah. yeah. I think he would have hated it. He uh, famously had a book that he had written prior to his death, that he then gave to his publisher and said, do not publish until after I die, called Grumbles from the Grave. Oh, love uh, that. Where he just sort of complained about society with absolutely no feedback um, because he was dead. I want to do that. Yeah. That's amazing. The listing, airing of grievances. Yeah, that's all I want. Um, he wrote... A few movies, not many. The one that I was I'm most... One? Yeah. He was the oh. screenwriter for at least this film called Destination Moon, which came out in 1950. And I want to read this to you because it's actually great. Well, the story's great. I have no idea if this movie is good. But two scientists build a rocket to the moon and successfully leave Earth's gravitational pull and make the landing as scheduled. The ship has consumed too much fuel during the landing, leaving them short for the return voyage to Earth. After stripping the ship bare, they are still over 100 pounds too heavy, meaning one of them will have to stay behind. That actually sounds fucking sick. For 1950s. So, kind of neat. In 2014, they made a film called Predestination, starring Ethan Hawke, which is based on one of his short stories. And then in 2014, also in 2014, no, I didn't even notice that, they turned his final novel, The Door into Summer, uh, into a film in Japan. 
and uh, it had fairly good reviews on IMDb. That is about an inventor of robotics technology is robbed by his girlfriend and business partner and sent to the future via cryogenic sleep, but when he awakes 30 years later, he is assisted by a humanoid robot originally of his own creation. Doesn't give you a lot to go on, but it sounds interesting. Um, But yeah, he's mostly known for novels, which, Neil, you had mentioned in the uh, mini-sode that you had read. I have read a a few of them. I've read some of his most famous ones. I read Stranger in a Strange Land, I think, once a year for about 12 years. Holy shit. Maybe a little longer. And my most recent read-through, I decided that I wouldn't ever read it again. Because I I had outgrown the story. Um, Good for you. Yeah. And uh, there's a couple others that are really good. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, great one. Any of the Lazarus Long stories... Which, I guess the most famous of those is uh, probably Time Enough for Love, uh, which has good parts to it, but I don't think the book in itself is sort of worth reading all the way through. Well, it was written in the 40s, 50s, 60s. 60s, 70s, I want to say. He did a lot of juvenile science fiction. Yeah. That's kind of his... He had wrote very prolifically on that, but... A lot of that stuff is very problematic nowadays. Yes, extremely problematic. Like uh, John Carter, problematic. Like uh, just like or really. Whatever his name was, I can't think of what that guy's name was. Um, the 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 author Prince of, of Mars, Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Prince no, 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 Prince, Prince of, of Mars. Mars. Oh, the John Carter series. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, Burl. That guy, Burroughs. Yeah. Yeah. Edgar Burroughs. Edgar Burroughs. That sounds right. Um. Yeah, just uh, just really, really sexist yeah. to begin with, um, which is 60s. odd because he also was like fairly well known for being one of the only sci-fi authors at the time who had important women as characters in his books, mm. but they were all like motherly characters mm-hmm. and support for whatever main male character there was which sucks a lot of shit and just some really backwards lines of thinking that are just pretty obviously written by a man in the 60s a white man in the a 60s. white man in the 60s yeah. yeah so yeah some of the some of the kids books are okay have well i don't even know if i can say that it's been it's been so okay. very long yeah. since i have read a lot of them um have spacesuit will travel was a good book when I read it. Yeah. Because I probably didn't know any better. Agreed. That is and fair. I was pretty young. Most of the other books are weird. In some way, shape, or form. They're either really subtly, um, like, lined with Oedipus complexes, which is a weird motif that actually kind of is in a lot of Heinlein books. Um, especially the Lazarus Long series, uh, but it's just sort of everywhere. Uh, or he had really weird takes on, like, marriage and what constituted, like, what he thought was, like, an appropriate relationship between people. Um, and The Moon is a Harsh Mistress is a great example of, of that. He had weird, like, marriages that were actually sort of families, but also, like, 
everyone fucked. Oh. Oh. Which was weird. In a kid's book? No, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress is not a kid's book. Okay. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress is actually... If you abstract most of the other things about the book, the very central tenet, which is... There is a pris- there is a prison colony on the moon, and then the prison colony on the moon says we don't want we don't want to listen to what you say anymore, and then they threaten Earth with dropping like shipping containers from the moon onto Earth. Oh. And understandably, that's a lot of energy. Yeah. It causes a lot of problems when they hit Earth. I'm sure. And so they win their freedom. On the moon. On the moon. And become their own nation. Like Australia. Heavy air quotes. Like Australia. But, yeah, but also without the, like, there were people living here first oh, problem. There, well, yeah. Yeah. Was that. There mm-hmm. was a lot of people living there were in Australia. There were a lot of people living well there. before that. So, not so much on the moon. Not so much on the moon, so it avoids that problem, but also... Except for everyone who lives inside of the moon. Those people, notwithstanding. Correct. Notwithstanding. Actually, all those people were dead. They were dead by the time they got there, but uh, the, the greenery was still there. The megastructure. The megastructure, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to think about that again. And I <laughs> you got will it, have though. to. That was I will a have fun to movie. all the time. I it was. It was a good time. Better than Geostorm. Better than Geostorm. Which is a hard bar. It's a hard bar. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, would you like to know who is gonna be in this film? Yes. Starring Casper Van Dien. And if that sounds like the quintessential Aryan man, you are correct. Now, ah. I don't want to show you his photo now, because we're about to watch this film. Blonde hair, blue eyes, six Square foot one. fucking jaws, yeah. probably six two. Okay. Built like a fucking, uh, I guess, I was going to say a dump truck, but he's not a dump truck. He's a very well-built man. He's one of those people that's almost, like, too attractive and makes me very uncomfortable. Mm. I don't like looking at him. Yeah. Because he's too perfect. I'm like, I need something I know to people soften like that. up. Yeah. I know people like that. Yep, yeah. and it's it's just it's a it's kind of weird, right? It's mm, like it's not like weird. quite looking into the sun, but it's like oh, it's, it's like too looking much. at a vampire, though. Yes, yes, it's too much. Um, so it's he's stereotypical Heinlein protagonist, though. Yes, yes. And we'll get to it in the fun facts, but Paul Verhoeven said that he wanted to cast um, specifically classic Aryan-looking people, like the ones you would see in nineteen uh, forties, nineteen sixties. Uh, pop cinema, well, 1960s pop cinema, 1940s propaganda. Like, Mm -hmm. that's who he was looking for for this film. (laughs) He also said he probably should have tried to find people who could act and look the part instead of just look the part, (laughs) which is the shade. Wow. Shade. Spicy. Oh, so good. So, Casper Van Dien is known for Starship Troopers. Alita Battle Angel from 2019, which is absolutely on our list because I think that film was underrated. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's on there. I don't remember him, but that's fine. Sleepy Hollow in 1999, also kind of underrated. I really liked that movie. And he played Ichabod Crane's love interests, other, the other side of the triangle. And he was great. I liked it. I liked that movie. 
Um, and then I have zero memory of this, but he played Tarzan in Tarzan and the Lost City, which was a live action Tarzan something or other in 1998. Zero memory of it, but apparently it happened. So he started out in One Life to Live in 1968, and then he was on Beverly Hills 90210, and Beverly Hills 90210 is going to be a through line for most of these people, because that is where Paul Verhoeven went to find people. It was, I think he said it was Beverly Hills, and it was, there's another show that he looked at those two shows, and he's like, I want that one, and that one, and that one, and that one. I'm like, all right. There you okay. go. So that was 1994. He played James Dean in James Dean Race with Destiny. He was in Casper Meets Wendy. He was not Casper, obviously, because Casper is was a friendly he ghost. Wendy? He was not Wendy either. Damn. That was 1998. And I remember when this film came out, but I don't remember anything about it other than I'm pretty sure Wendy was a witch. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. He Which means a... Wendy was gay. <gasps> what? Yeah. All of the, like evil, like, magic powers, like, characters was all, like, queer, like, queer villain queer coding. She's not a villain, though. She's a good girl. Yeah, but she's, she's also a witch. Oh, she's a witch. That's true. Yeah, I don't remember much about that movie. Maybe because there's flying, we can put it on the list! No. Bonus content! Hard, hard pass. Fine. You're not fun. <laughs> um, in 2004, he was in Dracula 3000, which I did not know existed. That Did I tell you about like... Dracula 2000? <laughs> no. Okay, so, <laughs> side fucking bar. Gerard Butler stars as Dracula in Dracula 2000. It came out in, you're right, 2001. <laughs> <laughs> and, actually, I'm pretty sure, it was either 2001, I think it was like either late 2000 or like early 2001. And she's not good. But can I give you a 20... Some year spoiler. Yes. The hypothesis, the main crux of Dracula 2000, which is not the movie that Casper Van Dien was in, but it's the movie we're going to fucking talk about, is that Dracula is Judas Iscariot. And the reason that he can't look at the cross is because he hung himself and that was the last thing that he saw. The silver bullets, that's because of the 30 pieces of silver. And they, they work their way back into it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't hate it. That's kind of some good canon. Yeah. I kind of I kind of like it. I it's a bad movie. It's well, honestly, obviously. Would not recommend watching it. It's called Dracula 2000. How could a movie that's called Dracula 2000 be a bad movie? Are I don't you get kidding it. me? That's <laughs> that the worst title sense. for a movie. But then, then we've got here Dracula 3000. Which has to be better has because to it's be a thousand better. more. It's a thousand more. And know? it's a sequel and sequels are always better. Always. Exactly. We all saw Godfather Part 2. That's not true. I've not I have not seen that either. Uh, which is a plot point in the Barbie movie, which Neil and I did see, and it was fucking great. It was a good time. That could also be bonus content. No, Because there not. are some physics that we need to discuss. Absolutely not. Fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> the physics of pink is not interesting. <laughs> Incorrect. But that's neither here nor there. So... Also, so he was in, I don't remember the show at all, but he was in fucking 64 episodes between the years 2006 and 2007 of a show called Watch Over Me. Never heard of it before, but it's 64 episodes. Um, he was in Mortal Kombat Legacy, nine episodes in 2013. He played Johnny Cage, which I totally see. Again, too handsome. Can't handle it. 
Um, he was in, in 2015, Sharktopus versus Werewolf. Whoa, I need to see that. I'm, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't interested. I'm intrigued. I've never seen any of the Sharknados. I don't think I'm missing anything. The, okay, so here's what I'll say about Sharknado, is that the first Sharknado is okay. Because it's earnest. No. Oh, damn it. Because... They were tr- not because it's earnest. It's because they knew what they were doing and they were deliberately capitalizing on the like bad movie genre. And they said, what would be a really bad, good, bad premise? And then they kind of nailed it on the head. And it really is sort of its own standalone thing. And then every single one of them after that is literally just them effectively having a contract with the sci-fi movie channel being like, we'll turn out another movie every two years if you only play that movie For the rest of time. Yeah. And then that's what they did, is they just, like, they were like, oh, we we hit a jackpot, everyone loved this, and then they just cookie-cuttered the same fucking movie over and over again because they could. Yeah. So the first one was people being like, let's make a bad movie, which is always a fun time. If a, if a movie is bad because it's it, because people know it was going to be bad, it's fun. Yeah. But it's equally as fun when someone makes a movie that they're like, this is hot shit, and it's a dumpster fire. Love it. Neil the Breen. more money they spend on it, the, the better. better. Mm-hmm. Neil Breen's movies, really low budget. Really low budget. Has a new movie called Cade the Tortured Crossing. Oh, yeah. Want to see it so badly. And then you get films like Geostorm. Yeah, you then do you get, get you do get like Geostorm Moonfall. Yeah, a bit. I, which is like which is like the really high production films because they're like backed by like producers who are well known, but the writer is just like some scrub, some fucking guy, some fucking guy who's like, oh, this could be a great movie. Yeah, and then they're like, I'll just rattle some cash for this great movie. We need lots of special effects. And then they spend $150 on CGI and they can't fucking pay an actor to save their life. Yep. And then the whole movie sucks. But all the movie, all the money went somewhere. That's the fucking thing. Sure. It all went somewhere. Yeah, it all went from people who had too much money to people who didn't have enough money. Theoretically. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's plus, best case scenario. Plus Hollywood accounting. Also Hollywood accounting. Mm-hmm. We've all seen the producers. Mm-hmm. Two of us have seen the producers. I have not seen the producers. All right, well, that's pretty cute. I, I would highly recommend it. All right. Um, what else is going on here? Oh, um, he was in Dying is Easy, which is a short film from 2021. It is a Batman short film. He played Jim Gordon. And motherfucker, this thing looks awesome. It's got Doug Jones. It's got uh, uh, Chris Daughtry, the musician. It's like the cast is... It looks great, honestly. It's like, the country artist Chris Daughtry? He's not he's a rock artist. He yeah. was the one from you're thinking of you're thinking of someone else. But no, Chris Daughtry Am I not thinking of the band Daughtry? Yeah, that's not country. I wouldn't say that's country. That was rock. I saw here's the fucking thing, Neil. I'm gonna date myself. I saw Daughtry, Stained, and Nickelback in concert when I was in high school. You are the coolest person I know. <laughs> I Cried, it's fine. Um, we may have voted for Daughtry when it was on when he was on Idol. Hell no. yeah, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so Dying is Easy looks super good, and I'm probably gonna find it or try and find it. It's like 
25 minutes. Like, it's not crazy, but it looked, no. it looked good. Anyway, moving on. Denise Richards, former Mrs. Charlie Sheen, which is how I know her. Uh, she's known for The World Is Not Enough in 1999, wherein she played classic Bond girl, Dr. Christmas Jones. Uh, this came twice that year. Sure the fuck. Dude! Uh, I'll obviously start. That's not books. enough. Never enough. The world is not enough, Neil. No, I'm just... In... Yes. Sexy. Yes. Sexy joke. Yes, sexy joke. Sexy not joke. enough sex. Yeah, not enough sex on Christmas Eve or something like that for me. Mm. Wild Things in 1998, which I've never seen, but it's like a cult classic a little bit and very sexy. I know nothing about it, but I know it was sexy. That's all I got. And then Love Actually in 2003. I am shocked that this is on her list of known for because she is in roughly 35 seconds of this film. Absolute max, maybe 15. Hmm. When did this movie come out? 2003. Have you seen Love Actually? Oh, it's definitely not a fucking delight. It's what is maybe so I have. It's one of the very first. It's, it probably is the very first of those holiday centric, absolutely massive cast with completely intertwining uh, plots that go this way and that way, and everyone's got a beat, and it's so good, and I mm-hmm. love it so much, and I'm so afraid to watch it again because I'm like, what if it either doesn't live up or there's something bad that I don't remember. I don't know. I still think it's wonderful. There's so many Liam Neeson in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got fucking Snape. Emma Thompson's in it. Um, the Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead is in it. Fucking, um, Keira Knightley and her fiance is played by, oh my God, I love him so much. Why can't I think of his name? 12 Years a Slave. Fuck. I have to look it up. Colin Firth? No. Oh, he is in that, but no. Um, Rowan Atkinson. No, that's Mr. Bean. Hugh Grant. Nope. Chiwetel Ejiofor plays Keira Knightley's fiance. And I, when I was 13, because I definitely saw this in the theaters. My mother did not know it was rated R. She dropped my sister and I off at the movie theater, bought us two tickets to see that film. And roughly 15 minutes in, two actors are filming a sex scene. So they get naked. And just mind sexual activities. And I literally covered my sister's eyes. It's like, we're not supposed to be here. Why did I bring that up? Oh, because I saw Chiwetel for, and I was like, I want that one. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I love him. Please be mine. I love him so much. I just want to talk about Chiwetel for for a while. But I have to focus. But, oh, Denise Richards is in 30 seconds of this film. Again, that is being generous. The fact that it is on her known for blows my fucking mind. Then let's look at the rest of her stuff. So, she started uh, in 1990 doing a lot of TV guest spots. You know, one episode here, one episode here. Fucking every TV show she was on, at least once. Um, In 1993, she was in a film called Loaded Weapon 1. Which sounds great. Sounds oh, sounds like her career was Have really... Have you seen that? Yep. How? Really yep. going. My dad liked those kind of movies. Yep. Amazing. Um, she was in Tammy and the T-Rex, which I'm going to send you this link, and it's going to be great because Paul fucking Walker is also in it. He plays a kid that's beat to death by Denise Richards' boyfriend, and then a mad scientist puts his brain into an animatronic dinosaur. 
Oh, no. They filmed this movie in like two and a half weeks because it was the two and a half weeks that this dinosaur was done with one movie and moving to the next. Mm. And the director's like, I can probably make a film out of this. And he did. I don't like that. Oh, it's a comedy. Is it? It doesn't sound funny. So I, I've had a change of plans before yeah. we talked about <laughs> dying and having like a book come out after you're dead. You want to be a dinosaur? I want to be, yeah, my brain put into a dinosaur. I mean, I'm super into this. Yeah. We can make it happen. Yeah. We have access to a lot of props. In good conscience, I was not here for this. <laughs> no fun. Um, okay, so 1999, truly one of my favorite movies, which most of it aged great. And some of it did not. Yeah. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Have you guys seen this? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's... I'm not going to say a perfect film, even though I do love it so much. You did say that about Armageddon. And you do know how that turned out. I do? I do. Drop Dead Gorgeous is objectively better than that. There is some things with a, a character who is supposed to be mentally handicapped that did not age well. But mm. everything else... Is very funny, and it's about a small-town Minnesota beauty pageant. It takes place in Mount Rose, Minnesota. Like, Rosemount? Rosemount, Minnesota? Mm. It's so funny, you guys. It is so funny. And she's in it, and she's great. Christy Alley is, Christy Alley is in it. Uh, uh, Kristen... Not Kristen Stewart. Who's the one from Spider-Man? Why can't I think of her fucking name? Oh, uh, Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. Thank you. Kirsten Dunst is in it. Uh, uh, Allison Janney is in it. Like, the cast is fucking stacked. It's so good. And you can tell it was made for, like, $12, but it's glorious. And there's a great drinking game that I played with my friends uh, for her uh, bachelorette party. No regrets. Except Did for one of the... Uh, not until the next morning. No. All right. That no, was fine. Everything's fine. Um, Drop It Gorgeous. Everyone should see it. Don't judge it. Too harshly, it was 1999. She was also in Undercover Brother in 2002, playing quote-unquote White She-Devil. Really enjoyed that one. Uh, Scary Movie 3, which again, I definitely saw in theaters. Should not have. That was one of the last ones that Charlie Sheen was in, and like, normal. Mm. And that was kind of fun. That was in 2003. She was in the show that... I- have seen all around. Never actually seen it, but I've heard of Blue Mountain State. She was in like 18 episodes of that. That's funny. It's a good... Sure. <laughs> Thanks, it's it's a It's about a college football team and the shenanigans that they sort of get up to, and it is quite crass and quite adult-themed. There may or may not be a character who is questionably in love with and or addicted to his fleshlight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. Yeah. Yep. So, I think that tells you a lot about the show without actually spoiling anything. I accept. I accept. I, is it worth seeking out no. with all the content? Okay, no. I'm, I'm not going to try that. But It's I, one of I those shows that's like... You're probably a college guy sitting around getting high, and then it comes on, and you're like, this is funny. Good enough. I'll watch this for a while. I do think the first time I ever saw it or heard about it, I was working at Buffalo Wild Wings. And that it came on the TV. Right. That Buffalo sounds Wild right. 
it is the kind of show that Buffalo Wild Wings would be like, people will watch this. That's the one. Um, I'm going to breeze through these next two because they are main characters in the film, but I don't know who they are. So, Dina Meyer, she's known for Starship Troopers. She was also in Johnny Mnemonic in 1995, which Taylor has informed me we must watch. So, I don't know if that's a Us film or if it's just like a collective, we have to watch this. Sure. But it looks cute. And what else? Oh, Saw. She was in 2004. She was in a bunch of Saw movies. Mm. Like the first four or five, I think. Um, and then also Star Trek Nemesis in 2002. The one with uh, Jean-Luc Picard's clone, Tom Hardy, with his lips that are just like copy pasted onto his face in a weird way. Good. I don't know. How did she play in that? I have no fucking clue. Oh, okay. She was in it, though. She's known for it. Who the fuck knows? Science officer number three. Probably. Um, Jake Busey. I cannot confirm nor deny that he is related to the crazy Busey, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Kind of looks like it. So He's known for Starship Troopers. Identity in 2003. Have you seen this film, either of you? Dude, it's so fucking... Well, okay, we should say. I remember it being so fucking good. It's, um... John Cusack is, like, the main guy... And it's about this serial killer who is being um, psychoanalyzed, which means it probably didn't age well, as I'm saying this out loud. But the serial killer being psychoanalyzed, he uh, this serial killer has multiple personalities. And the film takes place in his mind between all of his personalities, like fighting for supremacy. And I remember it being fucking awesome in the early to mid-2000s. Yeah. So that's where I'm going to leave that. Mm-hmm. But I... I might try and watch that again. I really enjoyed that movie. And I fucking love John Cusack, and I want him to be in more things. I miss him. John, I know you're listening. And I'm going to need you to do another film, because I miss you. And (laughs) just do it for me. That's all. You can come to the gazebo. Come to the gazebo, John! You're you're invited. Yeah, standing invitation specifically for John Cusack. No one else. Um, Neil Patrick Harris is in this film. He's known for... What? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. He's known for How I Met Your Mother. He's been in approximately a thousand How I Met Your Mother episodes between 2005 and 2014. He was in the Netflix a series of Unfortunate Events between 2017 and 2019. Uh, Gone Girl in 2014. Totally forgot he was in that. And then Starship Troopers. Those are what he's in, according to IMDb, that's what he's known for. And that's- Doogie Howser, MD. Doogie Howser I had to search for. That was not at the top of the list, no, but no. he was, yeah. he came to prominence playing Doogie Howser MD in, between 1989 and 1993. And they didn't list Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog? Again, uh, I had to go down into the list, but Only trust. the best short film I think I've seen maybe ever? I mm-hmm. had a plan to turn Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog into a one-act competition length show for high for my high school and I would stage manage that for you. Dude, it would have been great. You can knock that down to 39 minutes. Easy. Mm-hmm. Easy. God, I fucking love that show. Joss Whedon notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. I fucking love that show. <sighs> so good. That soundtrack is so good. I think I still have that soundtrack. I think I literally bought that soundtrack on iTunes? Question nice. mark on my iTog Punch. iTog Punch. <laughs> wow. I'm pretty sure this show, Starship Troopers, put uh, Doogie Hauser, I can't remember his name again. Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris back on the map. Yeah. I think he was way down. 
I'm on the I'm list sure until this show, and then he turned back. Around prior to this. this, the only other thing I recognized was Snowbound, the Jim and Jennifer Stolpop Stoplop story, which was a TV movie from 1994 that I definitely watched in uh, elementary school as a uh, uh, survivalist, a preparation type thing. Here's how you survive in the wild in the winter: don't die. Watch this film. Huh. So that was great. Um, lots and lots of TV in the early 2000s. And then what really brought him back was Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yep. Oh, yeah. 2004. Fucking classic. So fucking good. And then Dr. Horrible Singalong Blog in 2008. God, I watched that so much. And then in 2010, he did Batman Under the Red Hood, which is one of the best Batman films. It is animated. It is so good. It's so good. Highly recommend. A lot of the Batman animated films, phenomenal. Like, I literally, I cannot recommend them highly enough. They're so good. He was in uh, Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore in 2010, which made me laugh. And then Beastly in 2011, which is a film that I picked up randomly at the Stevens Point family video. And, uh, because I wanted a bad movie. And you know what? I got exactly what I wanted. It is a Beauty and the Beast type story. Got what I wanted. Bad movie. Fall in love. Everybody wins. I think it had Vanessa Hudgens, if I'm not mistaken. I think she's in that as well. As a child? I mean, she was 18, 20. I don't know. This post High School Musical. Oh, was it? Yeah. 2011? Yeah, yeah. High School Musical was 2005? That, that's a big question. Oh, no, really? Yeah. 2006. Ooh. Yeesh. See how close I got? Close I was. Fuck. Yeah. Um, he was also in the most recent Matrix Resurrections in 2021, which the movie was fine. He was great. I enjoyed him greatly. Um, and he was also in Smurfs 1 and Smurfs 2. So all of this was lead up for this next character actor, who is one of my favorite people. Clancy Brown. Do you know who Clancy mm-hmm. Brown is? Oh, yeah. Neil, have you ever heard the name of Clancy Brown? No. This bitch. I'm a little afraid. Oh, no. You're going to fucking love this. Trust me. Okay. This bitch has 328 credits. Oh, God. On IMDb. Much like Jim Cummings, he's a, a noted voice actor. And now Does I will... play the computer? The computer? Like in Star Trek, the computer? No. No, he did not. Oh, trust. So we're going to get through his known for because it's not what he's known for. I will tell you what the fuck he's known for, but we'll get through his known for first. So, okay. number one, The Shawshank Redemption in 1994. Still I've never seen it. Have... Really? I know. It's like one of my big blind spots. Okay, so we can watch. It's not going to fit it's in. It's not with, tonight. It's not going to be a science fiction. It's, it's well worth the watch. Yeah. I, got, I know. I got to do it. Have you seen it? Shawshank? No. It's not on my list. It's, um, it's good. Starship Troopers is one of the ones he's known for. A Nightmare on Elm Street, the 2010 redo that they did. Mm. He's one of the main parents in that. And then Cowboys and Aliens in 2011. That was a movie. That sure that was. I did enjoy watching. You enjoyed it enough. You put it on the list. I did. Yeah. It's got some fun stuff in it. I'm super stoked. It's not going to hold up well. I'm going to no. tell you that right the fuck now. It did not hold up well when it came out. It, no. Not even a little bit. So can I tell you what Clancy Brown is fucking known for? I'm yes. so excited. Nail, look me in the windows of my soul. This bitch is Mr. Krabs. Yes. 
He's so great, and I love him so much. SpongeBob, me boy! (laughs) Oh my god, he's so good. He's also Lex Luthor in, like, every fucking animated anything for DC. He does Lex Luthor all the time. Um, He was in, which is, I believe, on our list... The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension from 1984. I think I sent you the trailer. If not, I'm going to send it to you again. Because okay. shit looks wild. Very excited. Um, he was in Highlander in 1986. He was the main antagonist. And that was the first time I was like, I know you're There can only be one. Um, what else? Oh, he was in Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Again. He was in a lot of Crash Bandicoot because he plays Cortex. Nice. Um, that was in 1987. He was in the very first Fallout. Fallout colon, a post-nuclear role-playing game, video game, released in 1997. I don't remember who he plays, but he was in that. He was in Flubber in 1997. Hell yeah. Hashtag classic. Is that science enough? Mm, no. Bonus content? Maybe. Okay. God, I love that movie. I watched that movie so fucking much. Um, in 1998, he was in Spyro. I only put that in because I fucking love that movie. Or that, that game, not movie. Same. In 2003 through 2005, he was in a phenomenal show called Carnival, which is on, what's it called? Max. Well, it was on HBO. I'm assuming it's on Max. I have no fucking clue it's on Max anymore. But it was on HBO, and I can't, if you like kind of dark, kind of creepy 1920s sideshow freak type Dust Bowl, it's so good. And he plays a priest who's like, maybe the devil? I don't know. It's great. I love him. Um, what Ron Moore did before Battlestar was Carnival. Yep. Was it? Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't right before. That. Oh, yep. man. Um, he was also, I just wrote this down because I like this name. Super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go. Yeah. He's in a bunch of episodes of that. I've yeah. never heard of that in my life. It's a that Cartoon a Network show. Great conglomeration of yep. words. Um, what else? God of War 3. He played fucking Hades. How many hours of my life did I dedicate to God of War 3? Not as many as Ragnarok or the new most released, but it's a lot of hours. Nice. A lot of hours. Um, in the Green Lantern film in 2011, starring the bad one, the bad one, the one that we don't talk about. I really liked it. It's maybe I liked it because I watched the special features first and I saw what they were trying to do. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. But I actually really liked it. It's just really poorly executed. That's that's fair. You're not wrong there. Um, He played Parallax, which was the big cloud of death. Forgot that had a voice, but that's all right. He was in John Dies at the End in 2012, which I saw, again, in college in theaters. And I was like, that was the, one of the first times I was like, you're Mr. Krabs. I know you. And now I see him all over. I'm like, you, nice. you, you. Nice. Um, up, 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 up. Sleepy Hollow, the TV show I really like. Not enough people like that. The final season was not good, but the, the first season was so good. We discussed in a previous episode, Neil, our love, our mutual love of the Venture Bros. Yes, I do love the Venture Bros. Clancy Brown is the voice of the Red Death. Oh, interesting! Right, you can kind of hear it if you look for it. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to go back and um, and check. Um, but that he's going to be sense. in the Red Death. Clancy Brown, according to his upcoming, is going to be in the uh, Venture Bros film that will be coming out. 
to cap that whole thing off. And he was in 2023, the most recent John Wick film. He was the Harbinger. Is that how you pronounce that? Doesn't matter. Harbinger. He was Harbinger. Thank you. Um, so he was. It was the basically the messenger for the council, the one who kind of facilitated all that. And I was like, "Hey, it's Mr. Krabs!" Every time. Oh, he's also in a movie coming up called Dumb Money, which is yet to be released, but it's about the GameStop fucking thing that happened. Nice. So I'm very curious. The cast is ridiculous. Including, but not limited to, Mr. Krabs. Finally, the last person I promised. Did you have more to say? Yes. Star Wars Rebels, he was also a voice in that. Yeah! Have you seen it yet? I know, I know. I know, there's so much content. I haven't even finished Andor yet. He's also the last Inquisitor in Tales of the Jedi. Was he? Yeah, the last episode of that, he had like five seconds of screen time. Good enough. And Ahsoka wiped him out, just like that. Well, she's kind of amazing. Yeah. yeah. Who else is going to kill the Red Death if not Ahsoka? Yep. Um, this last person, I I didn't need to put in here, but it's very important that we talk about Rue McClanahan, 1934 to 2010, known for The Golden Girls, Blanche. No? Why is she in here? She's a science teacher. Nice. Yeah. And Maude. She was in Maude. Both of those were really big. Um, she was also in Boy Meets World in 1993. Didn't know that. She was in Nonsense and a bunch of Nonsense uh, uh, sequels. I don't know if you've ever seen a Nonsense, but Nonsense, at least in Minnesota, is done in community theater all the fucking time. There's like 84 fucking Nonsense shows. <laughs> Chris is making a very rude gesture with uh, his finger in his mouth, but... There's a lot of fun. And I didn't know it was based on a movie. Um, And she played, I think it's Steve from Blue's Clues. Is is the guy's? Steve's grandma in Blue's Blue's Big Treasure Hunt. And a couple episodes. But she's in Blue's Clues. I love her. And I love the Golden Girls. And I really wanted to talk about it. The original Steve. Well, maybe that's a story for another time. Are we talking about when he... uh, Put on the costume to try and get a date with a Playboy model? No. What's your story? I was going to talk about the fact that he came out recently and was like, Hey, I struggled with like drugs and addiction for a long time. And it means a lot that so many of you actually still seem to care about who I am and where I am. He's wonderful. Yeah. His, he put a video out, I think it was in 2020, about like, I believe in you. You're doing just fine. And I wept. Nice. Fucking wept. All right, let me pull up. <gasps> I know what time it is. Do you know what time it is? is Chris, do you know what time it is? I do. I can't wait. I've been waiting for this the whole time. It's time for the oh, numbers game. Numbers game. game. It's a numbers game. game. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. So I'm going to pull up. Because there are numbers this year. Every week, I am now very afraid that there's not going to be numbers but there are numbers. So. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start. Not Super Troopers. God damn it. <laughs> Starship Troopers. All right. So. Numbers game, Neil. Yes. This film. And Chris. And Chris. Numbers game. Gentlemen. This film was made for a whopping $105 million. Would wow. you like to know what that is in today's fucking money with today's fucking inflation? 1996. 
1993. 1945. Wow. <laughs> oh my uh, I'm gonna guess. <laughs> oh, see, this isn't this isn't actually all that fair. Because I have a point of reference almost for this time period. Do you want to guess what are you, I'm, are you gonna, guessing I'm dollars? Gonna, I'm going to guess dollars for okay. what it is in today's money. I love it. $285 million. Ooh, that is so close. It's yeah. 204 but still. How, what is your point of reference for this? My mom got her first job out of college in like 1987 or something like that. I know what she made when she got hired. And I wanted to know how much money that was in today's money to see how much of the pants in that relationship she was wearing. Mm. Turns out, all of the pants. All of the pants. Yeah. So that is very... All of the pants. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so, gentlemen, feel yes. free to confer, but all in. All the peanuts. How mm. much money in the theater Starship fucking troopers make in 1990... It was released, again, November 7th, 1997... So you're coming up on holiday season? I mean, it is a perfect Christmas movie. Obviously. Obviously. I mean, it's also probably got a lot of special and visual effects. Yeah. Uh It is a little gory, so I think maybe it wouldn't do so well with the European audience. But it probably did really well outside of the U.S. and Europe. Because you probably didn't need to know a lot of English to be able to watch the movie and be like, wow, that's intense. The human is the good guy and the bug is, is the bad, bad. guy. Yes. Bad bug. Yes. Big bad bug. They spent 105 on it, you said? Yes, they did. $200 million in today's movie. This is so many dollars. I'm thinking $375 million. That's about where I would go with it, too. In 1997 dollars. In 1997 dollars. Would you like to guess a significantly lower dollar number? Oh. Oof. Oof fucking duh. Oh, no. Okay, so now the question is... you make it up. Okay, yeah, that was my next question, is do you think they made it all back? 85 million? Would you like to guess a higher number? I will say... They squeaked by. Okay. Okay. 120? Yeah. 120. 121. Well fucking done. We did it. So would you like to guess domestic, U.S. and Canada, over the entire time period? What did U.S. and Canada bring to the table? Okay. They made 121, maybe half. I'm guessing more like... 45? Yeah, 45 to 50. Would you like to guess a slightly higher number? Uh, 68. A little lower. A little lower. 61. Close enough. Uh, 54. Maybe 55 Ooh. with rounding. Wow, that's not... That's not very good. No. Now, here's the fun part. How much of that was opening weekend? Hmm. 90% of it. Yeah. yeah. Fucking... Yeah. Forty-seven million of it. All right. Would you like to guess a lower number? Not quite forty-seven. Thirty-two. A little lower. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Eesh. Less than 
Less than half? 20, 20, 23? 22. 22 wow. on the nose. So we're going to get into it just a little bit in the uh, fun facts, but I guess we're going into fun facts right now. But this film opened, I believe, number one opening weekend. And then it, it fell the fuck off. As I mentioned earlier, people did not think this was a satire. They thought this was promoting fascism across the land, and they were having none of it. Here's a fun thing, Neil, that I oh. have not had the pleasure of, of doing before. Someone already did a lot of your job for you, and they pointed out a bunch of scientific inaccuracies, and I oh, want to hear your no. thoughts. Okay. Number one. Yeah. The asteroid generates a gravity field strong enough to tip the surface of some liquid in a glass by 45 degrees, yet the glass itself remains rock steady instead of sliding forward. Dot, dot, dot. Perhaps it has a particular sticky base. This feels very smug. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. If you're going to pull the liquid, you're going to pull the glass, too. Yeah, but then you don't get the cool visual. No, you don't get the cool visual. Um, the asteroid would have to be traveling through hyperspace to reach Earth in any rational length of time. That would mean that the bugs, quote-unquote, would have had to accelerate it to... would have had to accelerate it to speeds to reach hyperspace and then maintain that velocity until the body reached Earth's atmosphere. Yep. Assuming that near-relativistic speeds are possible in Starship Troopers' universe, the asteroid should have caused massive damage on Earth far beyond the simple destruction of one major city. Given the size of the asteroid shown in the film, it's likely that all life on Earth would have been extinguished either instantaneously or within weeks or months after massive firestorms and the spread of giant clouds of dust and debris. If if you had <coughs> a an asteroid large enough to sustain a colony of things especially giant bugs, and then you get that thing going up to relativistic speeds. One, so much energy. We're talking, like, you you might need to be, like, at a, at a civilization scale where you can harness all of the energy in your galaxy to achieve something like that. Getting things going that fast, very hard. Takes a lot of an unreasonable amount of energy, which is why we don't have speed of light travel yet or anything close to it. Uh, two, if you're going at relativistic speeds with something that big, Earth becomes a bright flash in our galaxy that someone very far away looks at and says, what the fuck was that? What happened? Mm-hmm. And, and if I and remember, the asteroid is huge. Yeah. Like, it would have... Like, the moon size? Like, the size of the moon? No, not quite that size. But it, it was large enough that even at the time that I first saw this, I'm like, that probably would have just cracked the Earth. Yeah. So here's the other thing, is once you try to get going that fast, the cohesion of your, like, molecules doesn't work very well anymore. And to get something that large going that fast, it's way more likely that you have a collection of atoms traveling that fast than you do an actual structure with molecular bonds and things like that. Because since everything is traveling at at relativistic speeds, there's issues with how things form bonds now because you're like sharing electrons. And 
getting atoms going to relativistic speeds and maintaining their uh, their electron shell structure, not a good time. Matter of fact, usually impossible. When we do heavy ion collisions at CERN, we are talking about lead ions, which means that they don't have any electrons anymore because we stripped them all away, getting them going nearly the speed of light. So if something is traveling that fast, would then... Like, any creatures, because there's creatures living in this asteroid. Would they... Oh, they're not... They don't exist. Okay, they, they're they They are also just mostly nitrogen, hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen that sort of is traveling along with this other collection of what is probably mostly dust. Would it then... Would it look like dust? It wouldn't have a structure if it's no, going it that fast. No, it wouldn't have a structure. Yeah, it would yeah. look like a large cloud. Proverbial bug guts on the windshield. Yes. Of the asteroid. Of the asteroid. Yep. Oh, I remember Yeah. That. But then that asteroid would become proverbial bug guts on Earth, and then Earth would be like, instead of bug guts, it would be like taking something about the size of, um, I don't know, maybe a baseball, and hucking it at a car at like Mach 7. That's a lot. You wouldn't have a car afterward, but yeah. Question, well, yes, sir. Yes, answer. So, if... We are traveling as a cloud of ions and neutrons and electrons. No, no electrons. No electrons, because yep. they, they got... Neutrons back. and protons. Neutrons and protons. We're traveling in a cloud. Yep. There's no structure. Would that still damage the Earth? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I don't know. If it's a cloud, clouds are Okay, gentle. and that, here's, here's maybe a better analogy, is if you... If you took a single baseball... And, I don't know, threw it at a train. It might not do a whole lot, right? Correct. But if you took a billion baseballs or several trillion baseballs and then got them going real quick and then hucked them at a train, you'd probably fuck that train up. This is true. Like, is there's, true. there's a lot of energy there. It's just distributed a little weirdly and, and in a way that's not super intuitive. Most likely what would happen is that it would it would literally carve a hole through the planet. Ooh, like the core. Yeah, mm, <laughs> so excited. It would literally carve a hole through the planet, and in the process of carving that hole, the rest of the planet would just disintegrate. disintegrate. Yeah. Um, I'll go maneuver on a bigger scale. Yes. Yeah. On the movie that won't be named. Then the movie that will not be named anymore. The... And because it's it's not uh, the structure is not being held together, we can't send up a crew. No, no to crew to blow this apart. Uh huh. It's just. Yep. Well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. This is the last space. Oh, sorry. The interesting thing to me is all these really advanced species that have the ability to send an asteroid through hyperspace should realize that the easiest way to get rid of humanity is to just do nothing. Oh. We'll take care of ourselves. Don't you worry. We are working on it. Yeah. This cannot last much longer. Unfortunately. Nah, just send a message and be like, hey, white people were right. Yeah. And then it, it's just, oh you, done, you did it. Congratulations. That's the end. Or teleport some bugs from one part of the world to another part of the world. You're done. Oh, that's true. It's only a matter of time. That's very fair. Um, okay, last science one, I think, I'm pretty sure, don't remember. Uh, throughout the movie, 
all spacecraft are flown like they are airplanes in an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. This is not realistic, Correct. as no atmosphere environment would make craft with wings or rear-only thrusters useless. I'm going to read that again. This is not realistic, as a no atmosphere environment would make craft with wings. Did you write these? Did you go into IMDb no. and write these? No. But there are a lot of people who complain about these kinds of things. It's not like just I you. do. It's yeah. not it's not just me. Well But this this kind of harkens back to our uh, to our our listener submitted question of why would it not be better to fill the un- like fill the solar system with like a gas and then fly a plane between uh, or like why would planes not work well in mm-hmm. space? Uh, which was a fun one to answer. That's delightful. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, okay, so now into, like, movie-type things. So this was released, like I said, in November 7th, 1997. It received negative reviews from critics who perceived the film as promoting fascism, criticized its violence, and the performances of its central cast. And several leveled accusations against Verhoeven and Neumeier for being Nazi sympathizers. Wow. That's kind of fun! Seems unlikely. Um, See, satire wasn't invented before 1987. Was not. Did not that's exist. The problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, side note: Have you guys ever seen Clue? Oh God, yeah. Oh, Tim Curry. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, sorry, was, but it, it didn't exist. Third that's movie we've seen in this First was Demolition. Was it really? Yep. God, it's a fucking trip. I am very excited to hear what you have to say about that film okay. someday. Someday. But it's not very science. I don't know. Cryogenic sleep. We'll work it out. I'm not worried. So I was, again, fucking flabbergasted that there are four sequels to this piece of shit movie. But again, it, there was a, a reevaluation within the last, what, five, ten years where people are like, you know what? That actually is kind of funny. Also, ah, I see what you're doing. Kind of classic Heinlein. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he, like he, he was pretty famous for writing a story and then being like, "Oh, people really like that," and then writing a bunch of like prequels and sequels yep. and side stories and fleshing out like side characters and all kinds of things and like just a very like someone was like someone knew what they were doing. Can I print money from this? Because that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Yeah. Or so, just getting the same plot over and over again. Yeah, which is probably more likely. So the sequels are Starship Troopers 2, Hero of the Federation, that came out in 2004. Starship Troopers 3, Marauder, that came out in 2008. Starship Troopers Invasion, 2012. And Starship Troopers, Traitor of Mars in 2017, as well as an animated television series called Roughnecks. Starship Troopers Chronicles, that came out in 1999. There's also video games, comics, merchandise, all the things, all the things. Um, the uh, producers only ever wanted Verhoeven to be the director. They thought that his fantastical creatures, genre, and political subtext suited the um, his sensibilities. They thought that the films, creatures, blah, 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 blah. Disney was one of the fucking backers of this film. Like, capital D, Disney. And then they were like, you know what? We're going to have our our company Touchstone actually put up the money, but the meetings were had with capital D Disney to make this film happen, which like, I... Of the Walt... Like, of the Walt variety. Like the man himself or well, his no, company? he was dead, but okay. the company, the company um, wanted to make this film happen. That so they had not surprise me actually all that much. Really? Yeah. I was very surprised. 
Although television actors were generally ignored when casting films, the production of Starship Troopers looked through uh, at such shows such as Melrose Place and Beverly Hills 90210, which featured young, photogenic, but less well-known actors. Um, Verhoeven later said Starship Troopers could have benefited from casting actors for their ability instead of their looks. (laughs) Which is the greatest. Spicy. About six of the main actors, including um, Casper Van Dien and uh, Meyer and Busey and Gillum, those doesn't matter. They a bunch of act- actors and a bunch of extras took a twelve day boot camp training session under a uh, a military um so what I'm looking for guy person drill sergeant. sergeant. Thank yeah. you. Um, they did this in a place called Hell's Half Acre. And they had to deal with scorching heat and a blizzard. So that's fun. Wow. So Minnesota in the summer, then. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I had hail today. That yeah. was unexpected. Um, so this guy, his name was Dale Dye, which was a fucking great name. He started, he wanted to think about how military tactics would evolve over the next, like, thousand years or whatever. So he, he trained them in a way that he thought would be useful in the future. It's kind of neat. Um... One of the more dangerous stunts came at the end of filming involving Casper Van Dien and Busey and uh, Denise Richards running out of an arachnid tunnel followed by a real explosion. Only one take was done and they were told if someone tripped, pick them up and keep on moving. That's kind of fun. Anyway, we're almost at the end, I promise. The reviews. Google users, 92% of users like this film. Metacritic, 52 uh, critic score and an 8.7 out of 10 for users. And Rotten Tomatoes, I've never seen this before. Critic and audience, exactly the same, 70%. Whoa. And on Letterboxd, it's a 3.8 out of 5. So, again, since the reevaluation people have come around, they really do like this film. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes summary is a fun movie, dot, 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 if you can accept the excessive gore and wooden acting. So Nice. I'm excited. I'm super fucking stoked. Do you have any expectations, either of you? I'm expecting bad science, but... And bad acting. And now some bad acting, which will make for a fun time. I'm so excited. I'm excited. For the funness of this movie. Yes, I'm I'm looking forward... I I hope it's as fun as I remember. I hope it's, you know... It's got that... The kind of acting where it's like, Oh, golly gee, is that so? Da-da-da-da-da. That's how I remember it. Mm -hmm. So... I hope that comes across good. Anyway. And it has Michael Ironsides in it. I mean, I didn't, the quintessential... Like, I did not put him in my notes because I was like, that's his. it's just too long. I yeah, would well, talk yeah. about Michael Ironside, and I know he'll come up again, and I wanted to focus on Clancy Brown. But yes, Michael Ironside is in this, and he's got a pretty major role. It's like the guy, they walk up to him and they say, we have this really shitty movie. I'm in. 100%. Yeah. I'm going to give it everything. He's great. So on that note, gentlemen, should we go watch a movie? Let's go watch a movie. Let's go for it. Yay. Hey, Neil. Hey, Emily. When people or the fine folks at home are not listening to your dulcet tones here, yes. where can they find you? If you're not listening to my dulcet tones here, folks, you can find me on a live action D&D podcast called Bad Rolls Out. Bad Rolls which Out. I is, need a song for Bad Rolls Out. I don't think you do. I think it uh, It's a great time. A couple of buds sitting down. Buds? Abs- 
Buds. Oh. Buds. B-U-D-S, B-U-D-S, not B-U-G-S. No, not bugs. Fine. Uh, couple of couple of good friends sitting down having a having a blast, just uh, playing some Dungeons and Dragons. I love them. Uh, and then if you're looking for some more, like get in touch with me, ask me some science questions. You can hit me up on Instagram. I am at that underscore Higgs underscore guy. H i g g s. Um. Yeah. Don't find me anywhere else because I'm not anywhere else. I think that's fair, but you know where the podcast is? Email, which I definitely forgot to do in our last outro. Classic. Uh, here's the problem pod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us movie recommendations, corrections, omissions, uh, science questions. Like, feel free to email us. Um, we are also on Instagram and Twitter at sci fi problem pod. Sorry, x fucking x.com. You know, here's the thing, folks. I say we're on Twitter because we have an account. Is it literally x.com? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fucked. It's real fucking dumb. Just really shooting every single foot on his way out the door. Um, so, But we're, we're really not anymore. There's, for a motley reasons, number one being, neither of us really have time <laughs> to be on Twitter. True. But uh, you can still find us if you want. Um, uh, the podcast is also on Letterboxd at 2D Fruity, T-U-D-Y-F-R-U-D-Y. I track every film we watch for the podcast with the hashtag ShitPewit. Um, which is great. Uh, come find me. I also track all my other movies. If you're at all curious, you're more than happy to, or you're more than welcome to join me. And dear Neil, once ah, again, yes. we have reached the point where we must ask a favor of our fine flock. Dear Neil, can you please tell our flock what it is we need of them. Folks at home, we need to please the almighty algorithm. Almighty algorithm, praise be. Which requires that we have ratings, subscriptions, reviews, preferably of the good variety. Preferably. Uh, and the more of those we have, the bigger our audience gets. Yeah, we get shown to other people who might not find us otherwise. They're like, oh, you liked something, your friend liked this, maybe you will too. And we just think it'd be more fun to have more people hang out. It would be nice. That'd be good. Anyway, Neil, is there anything else you would like to say to the fine folks at home? Mm, enjoy your science, folks. Bye.